Hi, this is Bill Prater. Welcome to the Business Builder Show, where we feature champions in their respective industries from all over the globe. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actionable resources that will inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to find out how to adapt and thrive in this ever-changing world. And we'll get walked through that by Rick Ivanovich. Now, Rick is the founder and CEO of TRG International and is the co-founder and CFO of Great People Inside. He's a serial entrepreneur, a reputable business coach, and a sought-after speaker. He specializes in empowering high achievers, deliver high performance, and reach new heights. His track record of driving companies and individuals to achieve their goals and unprecedented success showcases his unique ability to blend business acumen with coaching strategies. So let's find out from the man himself exactly who he serves. So my man, your audience would want to know who you serve. Hi, Bill. Thanks really for having me on your show. Before we start, before I answer that question i okay. first like to share a core belief that i hold pretty dear okay excellent i believe we all have the potential to be architects of change this is because in the era that we're in which is really defined by this constant transformation our task is not just to keep up but to actively shape the path forward now, if I look at myself, I started stacking shelves and learning the ropes of people management as a trainee in supermarkets. And then I switched to immersing myself into the more precise world of accounting and later navigating the constantly evolving landscapes of technology and humans. So my story demonstrates the power of transformation and continuous learning and the significant impact that each one of us can make. Every day, our actions, whether they be big or small, they shape our future. And as we discuss our topics today, I want everyone listening to remember this. You are your brand, and every single decision that you make is part of the unique story you're crafting for yourself how you react, how you adapt, and how you innovate in the face of all of this change will define your story and your legacy. This belief, inspiring each of us to aim consistently for higher achievement, is the cornerstone of my work, of, I'd say, it is my life purpose. So as we dive into our conversation today, Bill, let's not just think about adapting to change, but about how we must define it. After all, when we embrace our unique qualities and strive for that personal growth, we're not just participants, but we're catalysts in an ever-changing business-as-unusual world. So let's get started, Bill. Now, your first question to me was... What audience do I serve? That's a really good question. And it's one of the more difficult ones that I think I am I'm finding to, to answer. 
because so, there are different audiences that I, I'm serving. Uh, I'll give you an example. At, at the moment, I'm I'm just walking a group of people through one of my masterclasses. And that's all about how to put together your life purpose. And I've literally just launched it this morning because I can squeeze it in just before Christmas. And that'll set up all these people who want to join me on this journey with a life purpose for next year. We've got January 1st coming around, got January coming around. People are probably thinking, well, they will in a month or so <laughs> about their New Year's resolutions and what better way to start with a very clear life purpose. So that kind of audience that I'm speaking to is anyone really who hasn't got one and has suddenly realized that, ooh, they better have one. Another audience that I guess that I'm speaking to, and this is where this business as unusual came from, uh, I, I, I published uh, the book earlier uh, this year and that was really born out of the pandemic and the kerfuffles and the strangeness and the unusualness of the whole pandemic era shall we say and one of the things that that I uncovered during that pandemic which is still happening today is some people really have no clarity on where they are going anymore. Not really helped by this whole pandemic and the fact that the goalposts have been thrown away, let alone moved. They're not just moved, they throw, they've been thrown away. Should you go back into the office? Should you not go back into the office? Are you supposed to be going in every day or working remotely or hybrid? or And how are you supposed to work anyway? It's all very confusing. And that's why I think this whole great resignation, the great reshuffle, the great insert whatever you want in there is causing people to keep on searching. They're, they're looking for something. And in their search for whatever they're searching for, it reminds me of that quote from Alice in Wonderland where Alice meets the Cheshire cat and says, which way should I go? And the cat says, it depends where you want to go. And Alice says, I really don't know where I want to go. And the cat says, but really doesn't matter where you're going to go then, does it? And that's how I feel that a lot of people feel. And I guess I'm really reaching out to them and trying to help them find a new direction or get clarity in the direction, because it really isn't very nice, that feeling that you don't really know what you're doing. You don't really know what the point is of why you go to work anyway. And there's what is the purpose of all of this? And I found more and more people are now thinking about that. So they're the people I'm trying to help in general. How do you, uh, you mentioned a master class, but how do you typically mm -hmm. help those people? How do you solve the problems you've just articulated? Give us some Okay, example. for there, on, on that masterclass, I'm walking people through a nine-step process. I don't expect people to just sit down, and, okay, in an hour you have worked it all out. That's a bit of a fantasy. Uh, there, there are nine steps, and it, it may take some people uh, longer than others because it really depends if you've reflected on any of the steps yourself before. So just to run through the steps, the first step is really looking at your core values to work out what they are. 
Now, some people know what they are, but other people don't. So if you don't know what they are, it's a process to think about them. So I have lots and lots of prompts of questions to ask people to just get you thinking about that. And, and values is a hard thing. So I also help and provide a very long list of different values. And it's just circle the ones that, that, that come to mind. And if I put more than 100 value words uh, together, just in case I don't know what my value, I, I know what I want, but I know what it is, but I can't put the word to it. And just skimming, skimming down the list, that just about sums it up. So that's really the first step, establishing your core values. And, and then I have another process to whittle it down. So you only have a small handful. Then the next step is we look at people's passions. Again, I'll prompt people with questions to try and uncover what their passions are. And then we'll whittle that down, that, that list down as well, just in case you have too long a list. I like getting down to that top three to five. Then the next step is to look at our achievements that we've achieved during our lives. That's That I find is a good step. And just as an aside, it's something that I would do anyway if I was trying to build someone, teach them how to build up their own self-confidence. Some people really don't recognize some of their achievements. And I think you mentioned it when you did that very kind introduction of me, that I tend to focus on hyperachievers. And one of the traits of a hyperachiever is they've achieved a lot. <laughs> However, they don't even acknowledge it because as they achieve something, whatever, they just move on to the next one and then whatever, and they move on to the next and the next. And they don't even know what they've achieved half the time because it, it has not a strong enough importance to them. It's just something that they do. But then the other thing that, that I do is I, I uncover, help people uncover their talents. That's, uh, that's step number four. And then we'll do a reflection of the four steps we've taken so far. Then we look at best roles that will that would fit us. Um, and then we would look at stories. Okay. Uh, stories are very important. Um, and we here we look at sort of role models and things like that. Uh, then we'll synergize everything we've done so far. Because uh, by then, we'll be able to see the intersection of things like our talents, our passions, our values, and all of that kind of stuff. And then I have a format for the life purpose statement, which we can iteratively put together. So I'm going to take people through those nine steps between now and Christmas. And I actually just did this as a freebie in a LinkedIn group, which I literally set up last week. And I'll just walk through the people, you know. They've got a question, I'll answer it, I'll be there, not 24-7, but I will answer it as fast as I can. And for the first 100 people who join that, that group, they can have lifetime free access to the masterclass anyway. Okay, excellent. Now, you've got a lot of competition, I'm imagining, out there in the world. And uh, so tell us how you differentiate mm -hmm. yourself from your competition, if any. Okay, do I have competition? Probably the how how am I different um, as as a person? I guess I am a, a little bit different. I am an accountant uh, to start, start off with, so maybe what I do appeals to accounting folk. However, about a dozen years ago, fifteen years ago, I suddenly get it got into people, 
as a numbers person, I didn't understand people. But then I found, came across psychometric assessments, which to me was, ah, the magic formula or a mathematical formula of people. So I've got heavily into that as well. And and then I progressed in, into coaching and mentoring and speaking, authoring and some other things. So I, I've blended, I blend accounting and I, I blend the human side. And obviously I'm the techie as well, because uh, that's what we do as a company. So I blend all three of those in what I do. So I'm, I'm finding I probably appeal more to middle and senior management coming from maybe tech, coming from finance, which is pretty large audience but I think the skills that I have you mix them all together and I don't think there are very many people with those skills to tell the truth okay excellent tell us about your business what was you mentioned how you started out if you will in the supermarket business (laughs) what were some of the other milestones as you've built your companies okay what was I doing in a supermarket Okay. When it came to the final crunch of taking those exams in school, didn't go so well. So I didn't get the grades to go to university. And so I ended up becoming a management trainee in a local supermarket chain in the UK. And that was quite interesting. I mean, at the time, it it was something to do. But as, as I've completely forgot my train of thought there i'll move on so anyway uh, i did that for not even a year uh about six months in i realized that i like my numbers i like my numbers and i don't know what triggered it but i suddenly decided i wanted to become an accountant i don't know why anybody suddenly wants wants to do that but but i did uh and then then uh, i quit that job and uh, I went to accounting school and I became an accountant and I moved from industry to industry because uh, when I went straight into the accounting profession, I realized that I didn't actually like audit I, and I didn't like I didn't like the work of that type of accountant. So I switched to management accounting uh, into a much more exciting industry. It, it was a brewery. That's far more exciting <laughs> for a young guy. <laughs> uh, I think it's the only company I've ever worked for that encourage you to drink beer at lunchtime. <laughs> and it was free, yes. Uh, um, so I moved around lots and lots of different uh, to industries to pick up... Um, experience. I mentioned breweries. I'd worked in the supermarket. I worked in real estate. I worked in a uh, in a manufacturing, defense manufacturing company. I worked in IT. And then I eventually moved to oil. And they moved me out here to Asia. And when they were going to send me back to London, I said no. And I took a voluntary redundancy package and set up my own company, selling and implementing, of all things, accounting systems. (laughs) So we started that uh, 30 years ago next year. And it started with me. I didn't have a dog, so it was just me. And we've grown um, organically. And we've sold into 80 different countries now. And I think we're about 500 people, something like that. And the main thing that we do is we 
sell the accounting systems, ERP systems. I have also another part of us is we have a boutique offshore development center with about 350 engineers for hire in it. Yeah, that's what we do. So the uh, give, uh, uh, flesh out your uh, products there a little bit more. So when you said engineers, are those software developer types or what are what sort of engineering? Absolutely. Are... A- absolutely. They're programmers. Okay. We don't do contract programming. We don't have people come along, say, hey, build us this, program us this widget. We don't do that. We What we do is we rent the people <laughs> to the other company. Companies approach us and say, hey, we're looking for we're doing a project, whatever they're doing, we need 10 10 people, we need 20 people, we need 50 people. And we get the specs of what they want, we provide them CVs, they're all our staff, and they pick and choose them. They go, they're your 20 people, we'll isolate them in our building, isolate them in that room, they're your people, go manage them. That That's how it works. So, what, uh, so sort are, of a, the, what sort of a geographic footprint do you have? Are, are you primarily an Asian-centered company? or oh, primarily Asian. The, these engineers are primarily, or they are in Vietnam. Okay. okay. And so we do that for very many, for many reasons, one of them being cost. So we can provide a very affordable solution. However, we are in the process of setting up in the States and putting engineers in the States so we can provide onshore outsourcing to two companies in the state right now so i i do uh, i'm aware i've got uh, several clients that are in staff augmentation in various industries and i know that time zones are sometimes an issue in addition to being if you will in the united states uh canada down to uh, chile works as mm. well for some mm. if you will some companies so what Kind of the major milestones, I'm thinking about some of the biggest successes you've had as you've built your businesses, maybe a mistake or two. And what did you learn from your successes and failures uh, along the way? <laughs> we had lots of failures. <laughs> one, of the, one of the biggest one was, I guess, towards the end of the 90s, where we got caught up in the dot-com fever. And we thought, oh, yes, this is a great wave to to ride we need to do a dot-com exit ourselves. So we set up in Singapore, we set up a joint venture with a government-linked company. And we offered the, at the time was called the first application solution provider hosted services in the region. Okay. Which is a whole load of words and acronyms that probably people don't understand. Today, you'd call it a cloud service. But we did that in the late 90s. <laughs> so we were doing uh, cloud computing for an ERP system in Singapore and around the region back in 1997, 98, 99. And then it went bang when 2000 came. So that sort of collapsed. And yeah, we pulled out, pulled out of that pretty smartish. And, and I, I think it wasn't just the, there was a dot-com bust. But we were just too early in what we were doing. Everybody now is getting into cloud computing. Everybody wants everything on the cloud. And a lot of this was really accelerated because of the pandemic. Because if your building was locked down and your kit was in that building, now you understand why you need to be on cloud. Wind the clock back 
what, 20 years, 25 years? And we're, we're talking science fiction here. <laughs> it was just too early. And even some of the models that were available and how we have to license the software, it was just, oh, it was so complicated. Good idea. Maybe we were a couple of decades too early. So that was one big failure. Then, so I, I ran away from I ran away from Asia. I left Singapore and I, I went to Europe, and I started up some operations in Europe. They didn't go so well either. So I came back to Asia again. So, what did you learn from the European experience? What did I learn from the European experience? In Europe, I trusted a few people. And I overly trusted them. And that was a bad mistake. <laughs> they, yeah. they. I trusted the people and they probably took my arm off. <laughs> yeah. So what, what I learned is be careful who you trust. Be careful who you trust. And I guess I'm a, I tend to trust people until they destroy that trust. And, and I've done that. For a very long time, and and I still struggle not to do it these days because I, you know, uh, I genuinely believe that people are good. Maybe I'm being a little bit naive. <laughs> I genuinely believe that people are good. Uh, we're human. Yes, we do make mistakes, but I generally believe people are good. So some people have taken advantage of that for sure. Uh, even some partners uh, have taken advantage of that. Um, yeah, it, however, I'm I'm pretty resilient. We're still at it. I said, company's nearly thirty years old. We're not doing too bad. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I think some people can sniff out when somebody's overly trusting and take advantage of it. So, tell us about yeah. some of the major wins, uh, a couple of w major wins that you've mm -hmm. had along the way, and and uh, what were your takeaways with those? Okay, the major wins is something that we've always done is grown organically, and it's the opposite side of the coin the opposite side of the coin is yeah you put your trust in people you believe in them you literally take them straight out of school straight out of university and you build them up and a lot of them are running the company today <laughs> so some people yeah i approach them exactly the same way and they don't take advantage they take advantage of the fact that they've been put in a supportive environment and they can grow and they've gone, woof, they've grown. <laughs> and now they're running big chunks of the business. I still believe in people. I believe in people. <laughs> Get so the right example, people. Uh, uh, tell us about a couple of these people that you've grown from organically and they're now in senior positions. Uh, so who are they? Uh, what, what do they run for you? My position in the company is the CEO. And... Yeah. Every other person in my management team, which is about oh, mm -hmm, about 15 of them, yeah. every single one of them, apart from two, came in at graduate entry. So some of them have been there for 15 years, some of them 20 years. Excellent. So what's, uh, what's holding your business back now, Rick? What's holding my business back? At the moment, me. <laughs> I'm in the process of hiring us and I've been having to do the COO role and I suck at being a COO. 
<laughs> I really do. I don't like the operational thing. I'm the visionary person. I'm the face of the company. I, I, I like doing that kind of stuff. I don't like any more doing that operational stuff. So when the new COO starts, we'll take off again and I can get out of their way. Just let them get on with it. You mentioned hiring, looking to hire. So you have not identified somebody internally that could take that role over? Well, we okay. decided to do an outside hire because one of the other challenges that I think that we might find that the company's 30 years old and funnily enough, we're older, <laughs> unsurprisingly. Uh, uh, and a lot of the people have been in the company for a long time. We are bottom heavy. So I'd say within the next two years, uh, the majority will be Generation Z. I have realized that I have no Generation Z in senior management. And that is something I'm going to have to fix in the next 24 months, um, which means I've got to find some very bright sparks to move up very quickly um, because we're all getting older. Um, and um, I don't want, I don't want a blinkered approach to how we see things. We need to be very inclusive, very multi-generational. And the newer generations or the Generation Zs that I've seen coming up, they are different. Rightly, it's just like I was different from my parents' generation. And to keep the company growing, we need to adjust. We need some younger ideas, shall we say, younger ideas. Yeah. Um, that's an important change. Uh, I, I've asked the same question to to a lot of my friends who also run uh, companies or work in very large global multinationals. And a lot of them for the type of industry that I am in, which is systems, is some of the, maybe it's not that sexy a career path for people to take anymore. And I'm beginning to see that the, when I look at the demographics, it's getting a bit patchy with certain industries, which I found quite interesting because I'm wondering what's going to happen in about a decade or so from now, if if that isn't fixed within the next couple of years. Interesting insight. You probably touched the interest of quite a few of our listeners. So how would they go about getting hold of you? What's the best path or paths? Okay. The, so anyway, listeners who are interested in con uh, continuing this conversation or learning more about me or exploring more insights about my journey uh, can connect with me in a few ways. The first one is go to my website, which is my name, rickivanovich.com. Second option is to get me on LinkedIn. I am pretty active on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Again, just search for my name, Rick Ivanovich. Now, I believe there is only actually one person on the planet with my name. Seriously. Google it and find out. Now, last time I said this, the podcast host did actually Google it <laughs> during the podcast. He's found another one. Because it's all right. He's dead. <laughs> there is only one. I didn't know who it was. There is only one. The other way where you can get hold of me is via my, my masterclasses. I, I have a masterclass website called humanskillsmastery.com. And for a deeper dive into my perspectives, 
read the business as unusual book or one of my other books and that provides a much more in-depth look into my beliefs and experiences and i believe it will offer valuable insights to the listeners excellent now i know that you've got a free resource all teed up on one of your websites it's long. Do you remember what it is? I can read it for the audience if you like. No, I think you're going to have to read it for me because okay. you, yeah. you so, smartly uh, have written it down and I'm going to probably fumble it. So, <laughs> one of Rick's companies, of course, is TRG, trginternational.com. So just go to blog.trginternational.com and then type in with dashes, digital transformation, how to get started, and you'll get uh, your hands on that resource. Of Rick's. Plus, as he's just told you, that he's got lots of other resources available to you too. Rick, I've asked you quite a bit of questions. You've been very generous with your time. So tell me, is is there a question maybe that I should have thought of and asked you, the answer to which would be valuable, super valuable to our listeners? That's a good question, Bill. <laughs> the question that you haven't asked me a single question about my book. There you go. <laughs> so let me just say quickly something about the book. So for the listeners, it was born out of the pandemic when I came across an awful lot of people who were having a hard time. Either they were being disrupted because they're being ejected from their jobs or they were a business owner or a business leader, and they had the unenviable job of having to let people go as their business was, was crumbling. And so I, I came up with this book, which I call Business as Unusual, because there's absolutely nothing usual about what is going on. And I do not ascribe to this new normal or anything like that. We just live in a business as unusual world. The subtitle of the book is How to Thrive in the New Renaissance. And I pick that because I believe we are going through a, another renaissance at the moment. And one of the key things about the renaissance, the original one and the one now, is the focus on humans. Now, people may challenge and say, hey, but Rick, we have generative AI and that's messing up everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's disrupting everything. And I go, yes, that is happening. However, it's actually highlighting how important humans really are because irrelevant of how smart generative AI is today and the fact that it's going to get smarter, it is definitely not human. That's for sure. And even if you use generative AI, most of the time you do have to put in that humanity of you to make it more more meaningful and impactful. So that was a quick plug for the book there, Bill. Excellent, excellent. I'm <laughs> it's, it's a physical item. I imagine you've got it on Amazon and all the other outlets. Absolutely. It is available as an ebook. It is available on Amazon. It's available on a couple of other sites like Barnes & Noble. If you go to my website, rickovanovich.com, it has all the links to where you can purchase it. Excellent. So thanks very much for your time and energy, Rick. Everybody enjoyed it, particularly me. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome, Bill. Now, now, as we close, I just want to leave everybody with a final thought. Remember, 
we are not just participants in this ever-changing world, but we're architects shaping the course of our lives, our careers, and the world around us. So I encourage you all to embrace change and define it. Don't just adapt to it. Be the catalyst in your own business as unusual world. And the transformation starts with you. And I'm eager to hear about your journeys. So, Bill, I'd like to express my gratitude to you for having me on your podcast today. It's been a fascinating conversation. And I hope our listeners have enjoyed it as much as I have. And to all our listeners, I really appreciate your time and your attention. I look forward to hearing from some of you, learning from your experiences, and perhaps sharing a more in-depth future discussion. Thank you again, Bill, and to all our listeners for this wonderful exchange. Until next time. Bye. Beautiful. Everybody, in closing, let's focus on a single fact. And Rick underscored that, and that is that our businesses don't become extraordinary in a single moment. Instead, they get there as a result of the owner first establishing a visionary strategy, second, employing a management system to execute that strategy, and number three, leveraging high-performance teams. Now, you can get your hands on those three. Just go to getbillsgift.com. Thanks for listening. Rick, once again, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Bill.